Well, today we're going to look a little bit at the, the idea of love, and we're going to read, uh, you know, the different Gospels have accounts of the Lord's Supper that last week of Jesus' life on, on earth leading up to the crucifixion and the resurrection and what happened on that Thursday, and uh, we're going to take a look at a little bit of that. Paul even comments and writes later on. So we're going to look, I'm going to read some scripture, Luke 22 and also John 13. So we're going to begin in Luke 22, verses 7 through 20. And everything we talk about today, I hope you will point yourself to the command of remembering. We are called in Scripture, do this in remembrance of me. And so we want to remember. So Luke 22, starting in verse 7. Then, then the day of unleaded, uh, uh, unleavened, I said unleaded, did you hear that? <laughs> I'm thinking about the gas prices that we came back to. And I was glad my truck was over half full at the airport when I turned it on. So I haven't been blessed to fill it up like some of you. All right, let's try that again. Then I'm in a fog still, I'm sorry. Uh, then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover meal for us so we can eat it. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher, capital T, ask you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. So they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. Now let me just stop there. That's not part of what we're talking about today. But the Lord provides. Have you noticed that? Let's not forget that provision was made even for this first Lord's Supper. For this Passover time. The Lord provides. God provides. Let's move on. Verse 14. When the hour came... Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So they're, they're having this supper. This Passover, this, this, this feast, and uh, he, he's dropping the hints there, you know, this is it. Of course, he knew he wasn't going to go a whole nother year to come back around on earth. And we pick it up in verse 19 as we think about the Lord's Supper. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. But look, the hand of the one betraying me is at the table with me. For the Son of Man will go away as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he betrayed. And of course, we could keep reading and discover that these knuckleheads didn't quite understand everything yet. And they start arguing about who is it? And who's going to be the greatest and all that kind of stuff. But what I want you to see, especially is verse 20 here. In Luke 22, Jesus serves the Passover. He, he gets to this time and he calls it something interesting in verse 
20. He calls it his new covenant meal. This cup is the new covenant established by what? My blood. You see, this covenant was established by Jesus' love and sacrifice. And I want us today to not miss the sacrifice, the love that was there that Jesus chose to do. Listen to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. That is why he, Jesus, is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. Listen, for Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins, of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. This is a new covenant. We sometimes forget that the very next day brought about something gruesome, didn't it? The very next day brought about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was his death that brought us freedom, according to Scripture, freedom from the penalty of sin. And I cannot think of a a greater picture of love than that. Can you see the love that is in that? In that while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11.25, In the same way, after supper, Jesus also took the cup and said, This cup is the, here it is again, new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So today, we are to remember. We should be thankful This should put thanksgiving in our hearts. And as we partake, we proclaim the life given to us by Jesus. So we're going to spend some various times in prayer this morning. So I hope you're sitting by someone that you like. If it's a stranger, you might want to go ahead and introduce yourself now. But I would like for you to get into small groups, not large groups, but small groups where people who want to pray have a chance to pray out loud. And we're going to just spend a few moments right now with a prayer of thanksgiving. I would like for us to focus our prayer in on thanksgiving to the Lord for this act of love, for this body broken for us, this blood shed for us, and let us just thank him for the sacrifice and love. So on the count of three, we're going to gather together and you just pray together with someone if if you're willing to do that. Ready? One, two, three. Let us begin and pray.
Lord, today we join together as true followers of Christ, praying a prayer of thanksgiving and thankfulness to you. We remember today, we're thankful. We're thankful for the sacrifice, broken body and shed blood of yours for us. And as we approach your table, your supper today, God, help us to be thankful. Help us to realize that you are our Redeemer and Savior and Lord and that we have nothing to do with that. We do nothing on our own, but we rely on you and we're thankful for your salvation, for your sacrifice, for your perfect picture of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I got to tell you up here, it's the, the, there's not a more beautiful sound, no offense, great singers and players, but there's not a more beautiful sound to hear true followers of Christ praying. And if you could hear, I, I, it sounds like this, out there, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, it's just amazing to hear that as we join together in prayer. Well, now let us move to John. We're going to be in John chapter 13. And we have a different account. Isn't it interesting how the, the Gospels have these perspectives and different accounts? You know they were written specifically towards certain groups of people and things like that. And, and as God breathes his word into all of not just the gospel writers, but the biblical writers, God, isn't it amazing God can do whatever he wants? And as he breathes his words, his, his, his life-giving words into them, he uses their perspectives, their personalities, and all that. I mean, we got a, a former tax collector. We got, what, a fisherman. You know, we got a doctor, you know, these kind of things. So John is a different perspective. And at the time of the supper, it says in chapter 13, that something had happened. There's some things that happened. And John shares a unique experience of Jesus washing the feet of these guys that I lovingly call the knuckleheads. And he does that. And, of course, they can't handle it, right? Peter's like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. I need to wait. He doesn't get it. Jesus has to explain all this. But what the picture I want to see is, if you'll think about foot washing for a minute, that was the job of whom in that culture in those days? The servant, the slave. And yet the king of kings and the lord of lords, the great teacher that had poured into three years with these guys, he gives another example of love. What a picture it is of him washing their feet. Another example of love. And then John records the betrayal of Judas. Which, by the way, that would be the opposite of love. He records that and shares how that had occurred and how Judas had left the supper. And then Jesus speaks. We're going to pick it up in verse 31, John 13, 31. When he had gone out, it's talking about Judas Iscariot. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him... God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. I would have been confused. But you see, the chief end is what? The glory of God. And then we get to verse 33, and he says this to them. 
in this, this time, this, this supper. He says, children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you, and here it is, we know these verses, verse 34. I give you a new commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, okay, what's the result of this? All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So let's think about that for a minute, love one another. If we look at it in the context, this is, here we are on that Thursday. Here we are. The, the garden hasn't happened yet. The trials, and then, you know, Friday's coming. And, of course, we know Sunday's coming with the resurrection. But here in this context, this new covenant that we've already read about, an old command is made new by Jesus. Love one another. A new kind of community will come for all nations. Aren't you glad? Out of this, out of the ministry of Jesus? That, that includes us. I don't know if you know, but uh, uh, U.S. of A. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't around back then. There's been a lot of different nations and things. And this is a new kind of community for, for all of us. And the command, is, the new command is simple. It is simply to love one another in the example of Jesus' love. Now, I want to tell you something. That is easy to say. That is easy to comprehend but that is hard to put in practice. Is that not true? Aren't we pretty selfish sometimes? Anybody besides me? I was so selfish being stuck, being quarantined, pity party. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad Lynn did not video me. I'd have been in trouble. Uh, our nature is, is, is not this kind of love he's talking about. We can only do it. What did Jesus say? We can only do it in the example of his love for us. And, of course, his great expression of love for us is what we're remembering today, his sacrifice for us. And it's a strong command, and remember, given just before the crucifixion. Well, well how can we do that? Well, let's go back and remember Luke 22. Because in Luke 22, if we read on down the passage, we would have run into verse 42. Jesus is now, at that time in Luke's gospel, in the garden. Do you remember the garden? The garden of Gethsemane. And in verse 42, he basically says this, Not my will, talking to the Father, but your will be done. You see? That's the type of love that Jesus can give us. Oh, that we would have a love that would not be based on our will, our desires, our wants, what we can get out of it, but on the example of Jesus giving love, mercy, and grace. So it's a, it's a command that came about that day. And I want us to join together one more time in groups. So if you didn't like your group you were with, you can <laughs> subtly move over to a different row. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Some of y'all were looking really serious at me, so we wanted to just, just, it's a privilege to join together in prayer. So let's do that now. We're going to join in groups, and here's what I want us to pray about. 
And however that comes out in your group is fine. It's a prayer for loving others. If there's some confession that happens, great. If there's pleading to God to show us, great. If there's a specific person we know needs love, great. However you want to do it. But our prayer is focused directly on loving others. So let's join together and pray. Would you join in groups one more time and pray? Thank you.
So, Lord, we come to you today. We plead with you, we entreat you that you would bestow upon us your love. God, we know we have your love. We know you loved us. We know you died for us. Lord, I would ask that you would make your love very real in our lives and that we would be able to unequivocally love others. And God, I just confess to you that my times of lack of love, Lord, God, would you remove the log, the beam, the two by 12 from my eye so that I might see others through your eyes with your love. God, help me not to worry about the speck of sawdust in someone's eye, but to love them as people created in your image. People in need of a Savior just like me. So God, I pray what, whatever might have been brought up in our prayer time, whether it was confession or just in intercession, the specific names that might have been mentioned or carry in our hearts, Lord, that you would propel us to love you. And God, we know the only way that that can happen would be not our will, but your will be done in our lives. So God, help us to heed this command. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I got to thinking about the idea, the command, love one another, and how the Lord's Supper of all things should fuel us to love one another. You see, loving one another depends, according to Scripture, on Jesus loving us, not us working to love him. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? It's not a work that we do. It's not something we can conjure up. It's because of Jesus' love that we can do that. Can you think of a time in your life where Jesus worked in and through your life to you to be able to love someone that was possibly not lovable? Maybe so. You should think about that for a minute. As Jesus died for our sins, past, present, future, we have the opportunity to be brought into his covenant community, to be a follower of Christ, to be part of his church, for he to be our, our Savior and Lord. And, and, and by giving us his Holy Spirit, which is a gift of love, a gift of the new covenant, we have the power now to love the unlovable. Think about that for a minute. We have the power to forgive the unforgivable. We have the power to welcome the unwelcome. And as often as we observe the Lord's Supper, we should let it remind us anew of God's love for us. And it's a love that will never fail. Though we may be unfaithful, and we are, though we may be unfaithful, God will never leave us or forsake us. He loves us. Though we may struggle and stumble along the way many times, God never abandons us. Think about that for a minute. That's the type of love that he has. He was always ready to welcome us back. Wherever you are today, 
whatever situation you might be in, whatever thoughts might be in your mind, attitudes in your heart, things you have done or haven't done, He welcomes you. He loves you. So as we observe Jesus' death, we should be confident of God's love for us. Let us also be mindful that why Jesus died. It's because of sin. Let us not forget that as we remember. Jesus went to the cross because humans chose to decide for themselves what is right and wrong. Isn't that true? We can go all the way back to Genesis and see that. And yet he did that. God's rescue plan. You know, and we, we all would admit today, we should, that we've chose to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong, or what I'm going to do or not going to do. And we've all repented of that many times, right? And yet, we remember today this perfect example of love, and it should propel us to love others. Let me read for you again from Paul writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. That's pretty strong. So a man should examine himself. In this way, he should eat the bread and drink from the cup. So as part of our Lord's Supper, as part of love and having his love infiltrate us, we are to confess. We're to examine and confess. And, and I'll just give you an example. I want to be vulnerable for you. Uh, while we were overseas, the way I dealt with the situation was wrong. It was sinful. It was disappointing. So you could have looked at Lynn and Lamar. After I was done being curled up in a ball, okay? You could have looked at us and, and saw a difference. We're sinful, aren't we? And we know we have hope in Jesus Christ, and we know he lives in us, all these kind of things, but sometimes we just don't measure up, amen? And that was true in my life, and I've had to confess that to God, to my family. And so we're going to have a time of confession. Obviously, you didn't have that exact same thing. But I bet there's something that if you examine yourself, you might want to confess and need to confess to the Lord. So we're going to have one more time of prayer right now. And this is going to be a time of confession. We're not going to do it in groups. Everybody take a deep breath. You know, you do, you do life with your Sunday school groups and stuff like that and with your family, right? You don't have to air everything out here in big church. But just individually, would you take just a few moments and pray to God and ask him to help you examine your life? And if he reveals anything, even, even if you think it's insignificant, would you confess that to him, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? So just get amongst just yourself, and would you just spend a moment of prayer of confession and then after you've confessed that, would you give praise to the Lord that he is faithful and just to forgive? Let's pray.
Lord, we come to you today and confess the individual sinners that we are, weak and wounded, not hitting the mark of holiness and perfection you've set before us, we confess what you have revealed to us. And God, we thank you that as part of your love, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, and we're grateful for that. And God, we're, we're thankful even that as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we slow down and examine and confess. God, I just pray that you would hear the prayers of your followers and that, God, you do a work in our lives and that we would live the abundant life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today, let us seek to do God's will, not our own. Another part of the Lord's Supper is it uh, is a reminder to us to humble ourselves even as Jesus did, even unto death on a cross, to seek, to serve and love others. Philippians chapter 2, we've, we've read that. It's an opportunity for us. And we can only do all this because of him. It's through his victory over sin and death that we're able to do that. Let me read Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, you could say sinners there, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. How? Through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? We remember Jesus today. I hope that every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, the spotlight here at this church will always be on Jesus and not mechanics or even elements or whatever day it is but it will be on Jesus and what he has done so we remember Jesus today let's remember him he's our living savior he's resurrected from the dead he's ascended into glory according to scripture and scripture tells us that he's seated in a position of honor and power with God the Father and Jesus said right after John 13 as he continued to teach and work with those guys I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming back. He intercedes on our behalf. He lives in us, and we live in him. And because of his life, his love, his sacrifice, and his resurrection, his life, because of that, we walk in what the Bible calls newness of life. Amen? Aren't you glad? Praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord. So let us remember today his love and sacrifice. I hope you've had a, a chance to get uh, the bread and the juice here. So I'd ask that you peel that first layer back and just hold that little wafer in your hand. We've got, if you didn't get one, you have to leave now. No, you don't have to leave. <laughs> we, some of the guys will help get one. So, you know what would be amazing one day is that we would... We would, uh, everybody would come in and get one, and then, then we would go from there. But we are happy to wait just for, thank you. A couple of you, we want you to have that. 
And, and I would just take a moment to remind you, it's the Lord's Supper. It's the Lord's table, not, not mine. And it's for believers. So if you're not a follower of Christ, hopefully this is a picture of what Christ has done for you and that God is drawing you to salvation. Perhaps you have a, a young child who's not there yet. It's a great teaching moment for them, but this is for, for believers. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Our ushers do such a great job. We're grateful for them. So take it and just feel it for a moment. Squeeze it. Touch it. Feel it. And think about the sacrifice that Jesus made with his body leading up to the cross and on the cross. As we think about being punched, being whipped to within one whip of dying, the crown, uh, thorns puncturing, the blood flowing down, and then, of course, the horrors of the crucifixion, what that does to the body. So thank. And in Mark, another gospel, verse 14, excuse me, chapter 14, verse 22, it says this. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, and said, take it. This is my body. Lord, we remember today your love and sacrifice. We remember today the horrors of what was done to your body for us sinners. We remember, and as we remember, we we proclaim your love and your salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you want to get the juice ready. Also in Mark 14, verses 23 and 24, it says this. Then Jesus took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and so they all drank from it. And then he said to them, this is my blood that establishes the new covenant. It is shed for many. And so we remember today. Thank you, God, for your rescue plan. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, for your choice. Not my will, but your will be done. We thank you for your sacrifice, for your blood, God. We're reminded in the Bible that forgiveness comes from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so today, we remember and we're grateful. And we're thankful to have the privilege of observing our Lord's Supper. And God, may it propel us to a unique and winsome love that our world so desperately needs. In the name of Jesus, we pray.